to stand up, to sit down, to walk around. Any, um, thank you for having me here. This is uh, an amazing honor for me to sort of be around such uh, incredible, incredible minds and people I've admired for, for so long. I mean, uh, I, I left school in eighth grade, so you can imagine how impressed I am right now, right? <laughs> Although I don't sort of have the formal education, though, I, I have spent, uh, I have been a student for a long time. You know, I've been a student, so to speak, in the College of, of Life, and my classroom hasn't been sort of a lecture hall or a, you know, a professor standing there watching me. It's been a tennis court, and it's been uh, millions of people sort of watching and, and judging how I go about what it is I have dreamt and strived for my whole life. And, there are so many parallels in my mind between tennis and, and, and life. I mean, tennis like life is problem solving. That's what the sport is. And in many ways, it's more specific to, those, to that than, than any other sport. I mean, you're out there by yourself. Um, there are no timeouts. You know, there are no uh, people to pass the ball to when you're having sort of a bad day. And <laughs> there are no helmets, unfortunately, because that would have come in handy a couple of times just to hide, you know, when you... I'm embarrassed about what, what you're doing out there. There are no helmets. You, you, you can't run out of clock. You have, to, you have to get over the line. You have to figure out a way to do that. And, and in order to do that, you, know, you, you, have to, you have to get the most out of yourself every day. That's not an easy thing to do. It, it's easy to do when you're feeling 100%. Um, it's really easy to do. But when you feel 80%, what's really tough is to get 100% of that 80%. And that's what sort of separates you from, from the rest. That's the difference. When you're not at your best, still getting the most. And through that process, you discover a lot about yourself and others. Um, I think an example or something that comes to my mind as I think about some of those life lessons, I go all the way back to, to 1999 when I was at the French Open. Now this is, we have five pillars in our sport. We have the four grand slams and we have the gold medal. And in 92, I had won Wimbledon, and in 94, I had won uh, the U.S., and 95 was Australian, and then in 96, I won the gold medal, and in 97, I took a bit of a detour in my life and refocused what I cared about and what my goals and dreams were, and I sort of got um, married. Uh, I kind of I feel like Fonzie saying sorry when I say it, but... Um, <laughs> uh, but it got, it got married, and I, and I really pushed towards something that was really important to me during that year. Well, my ranking fell to 141 in the world. Um, and I had a choice to make it in that year. I was, what, what am I doing here? Am I going to continue like this? So my choice was real simple. No, it's, I'm not ready to retire, but I can't continue living like this. So what I'm going to do is put my head down and go back to work. I went back to single A, so to speak, tennis circuit. I went down to challenger tournaments, which is which is equivalent to single A or double A baseball. And I would go down and I would actually lose. And I would, you know, go through the trials and tribulations of getting myself right and trying to climb that ladder again. And the most difficult part about trying to climb that ladder the second time is you're always aware of where you're not. You know, that's a big problem. I mean, when the first time around, you look up there and everything's new. Everything's new. But, but the second time around, you're, when you're feeling 80%, it's hard to get that 100% out of yourself because you realize just how sort of far away you were from that challenge. And I spent the whole year climbing back to about number six in the world. At the end of 1998, my, my ranking was six in the world. And then all of a sudden, my marriage was sort of not. 
And um, um, I was a few months into that year when I went through a pretty tough time because uh, um, I had a shoulder injury that was taking me out of a lot of tournaments, including Paris, the French Open coming up, and I was also just going through a divorce um, in front of the world. And uh, I didn't know what to make of it all. It was sort of a, a pretty lonely time, but I was sort of used to that feeling. Like I told you, tennis is a lonely experience at times. And I went back to the French Open. I should have lost first round, but I didn't. I should have lost second round. I was two points away from a local French player. And I got through that match. I was down uh, two sets to one, four, five, love 30. Two points away. I get through it. Round of 16, I'm down a set and two breaks to the defending champion. I don't know how I get through it. Um, I find myself in the finals of the French Open, the last of the Grand Slams I had won. Shouldn't have been there because of a shoulder injury. Coming off a divorce, 30 days removed from a divorce in my life. Um, and it was a pretty, uh, it, I'd been there 10 years earlier. I'd been in the finals before. I was favored 10 years earlier, two years in a row in the finals. It was this big sort of demon that was out there that I needed to conquer, this dragon I needed to slay. And I walked down that court. I was so freaking nervous. I couldn't even, I couldn't even see straight. I couldn't move. I was frozen. I was like this. The ball's going. It, sometimes it looks like a watermelon. Other times it looks like a golf ball, right? <laughs> <laughs> this time it looked like a BB. It was like... <laughs> Where's this thing going? I can't see nothing. I'm frozen stiff. I'm, I'm getting my butt kicked. 6'1", six, 6'2", six, and a mini miracle happened. The skies opened up. The heavens opened up, and it started to rain. So I come off the court, and in tennis, there's no coaching. But when there's a rain delay, you can go in the locker room, and, and there is coaching. I'm in there. Now, I'm in this locker room. It's designed for 200 athletes, and there's just two people there. It's me and my coach. Metal lockers that if you hit... If you could throw a pin against it, you could hear it across the whole room. It echoes in there. Nobody else is in the building. I'm sitting there like a deer in headlights looking up. My coach is sitting there with his head down. And after about five minutes of this, I looked up and I said to him, I said, you know, really, is that what this comes down to? The biggest moment of my life, the biggest match of my life, and you're not going to say anything. You're just going to say nothing. <laughs> and... and and he stands up and he looks at me, and, and, and I, I learned something this, this moment. He, st he stood up, he took his hand as hard as he could, and he slammed it against the locker. And he goes, Andre, what is it that you want me to tell you? Do you want me to lie to you? Do you want me to tell you that this guy's better than you, that you have no business being out there, that you're going to lose this match? He goes, you know, if this is so profoundly complicated, let me give you a little bit of, of advice here. Why don't you go out there and just do what he does. If he hits a backhand cross court, you hit a backhand cross court. Because you hit the backhand cross court better than he does. If he hits the forehand cross court, do the same. Down the line, do the same. Just go out there and hit your shots. Because we can live losing. We can live with that. We can't live with the regret of not hitting your shots. And I, I mean, I, I was stunned. And I was like, he, he's never yelled at me before, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> walk back onto the court and, uh, and, eventually, and win the match and found a place in my game out there that I never believed, better than I ever felt before in my life. And, and I surprised myself. You know, I, I hit my shots and I surprised myself. And, you know, 29 years, I was 29 years old and I had been through a lot of years of preparation for that moment. And when that moment came, I got really scared. And... 
and I just hit my shots and I surprised myself. And sort of one of the things I sort of would want to leave here with you um, is, 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 that, is that lesson because you know, you've prepared your whole life for some incredible things and you're on the verge of, of changing the world as, as, as we know it. Um, but you will come to a moment in your life when it is really very important to you for your reasons. I don't know what your reasons may be. Um, hopefully it won't be a divorce or you know, some of the reasons that, 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 that I had that led up to that moment for me, but it's gonna be an important reason for you. What are you gonna do with it then? Um, because it might take some of you a hundred times, it might take some of you once, and I applaud those that it only takes once to learn this lesson. But life isn't about making yourself better off. It's about making others better off. So what you do with that is gonna be sort of your, your, your real challenge. When I look back over my career, I have one major regret. I didn't start my foundation early enough. I was 23 years old when I started my foundation. And, uh, and I wish I had started earlier. We, I knew I wanted to give back to children. I knew I wanted to make a difference in people's lives, especially in children's lives. I didn't know how. Started clothing over 3,000 children a year. Got involved with the Boys and Girls Club. Built a 35,000 recreation educational center for those, year, those hours during a day when a kid's most susceptible. Colin Powell came out and dedicated it. Built a, a child haven, a shelter for abused, neglected kids. And I started realizing I was sort of chasing my tail a little bit. Here we are sticking band-aids on a lot of real, real problems. These are children's lives, and, and, and they have real, real geysers, and we're just we're, we're, we're given temporary solutions to this. What, what needs to happen here? And that's what led me to education. I literally said the way to change the world is to change our children's education. And What's the problem with education? Obviously, there's a lot of them, but I built this charter school in the most economically challenged area of Las Vegas. It's the children that society has written off the most. 70% of them come from one-parent homes. Now, Nevada is 49th in the states for per-pupil allocation, for, for state money given to each child for their education. We funded about 5,200 per student. The national average is closer to 9,000 per student. We have the worst stats out of any state when it comes to dropout rates, teen pregnancies, all this stuff, and you're looking at it and you're going, geez, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure this out. We, we hold back resources and we claim there's waste in education, and as a result, we get more of the same and, and, and worse. So what I wanted to prove was that there's a way of, of, of bridging that gap and giving a national average funding and creating a high standard of education that changes these children's lives. We, we were the only school, Nevada's uh, fifth in the state for uh, size of school districts. We're the fifth largest school district in America. Not one school was deemed exemplary in our whole district, except this school. And this school's being done with the national average, which is the greatest message in it all, which is education can, can be different. We can actually change education in our country. We're building this model, we're gonna take it everywhere. And that's the joy. And that's, tennis gave me a platform to do this, to change people's lives. So go, go knock down your dreams um, and, and do it well. And then do that by remembering to hit your shots. But when you're done hitting your shots, then remember that you have a real responsibility of not just changing your lives, but, but others. So thanks for listening. <laughs>